James, welcome to Millennial Manhood. How you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you? Doing well. I'm doing well. So for everybody listening, I've got James Hackney with me. He is the host of the Millennial Motivation Podcast. Some folks may know who you are. Other folks may not. Um, give us a 10,000 foot view of who is James? How'd you start Millennial Motivation? Yeah, brilliant. Well, first of all, thanks very, very much for having me on the show. Uh, yeah, the owner of the, the Millennial Motivation Podcast, which I'll go over an overview of what the podcast is, first of all, and kind of how we got there. So um, the podcast is just kind of every day to help millennials all over the world to kind of not settle for the average blueprint of life. As I think some people would see it as just the only way of living, going through a job that they hate, working until retirement. And I like to say kind of dying at the age of 25, only to be buried 50 years later at retirement. And it's kind of come from a number of life events that have happened in my life. So I was born in England in a little city called Stoke-on-Trent. Had a great childhood, but I had numerous challenges, which I think I think everyone faces in their their life. So my dad suffered a brain hemorrhage when I was seven, which he nearly died from, and it knocked him back years and years. And then my parents split up a couple of years later, and it was really an aggressive, an argumentative divorce between the two. I lived with my mum. I never really had too much money, but we we got by on an estate, and it was a great childhood. My mum was always there, always loving. And then after after school, I started off in an apprenticeship. I think I left when I was schooling 15. And it's about three years later to be made redundant from the apprenticeship in gas and engineering. And then after that, I went into sales. And I absolutely love sales. So I was working for a large retail company in England. And then that company went bump. So it's a pretty funny story. It was a Sunday. We just had the iPhone launch the launch, sorry, and I left work at 8pm, always busy when the iPhone's out, people are going crazy for it. I got in, lying in bed watching TV to get a call five minutes later saying that uh, your, your job's gone and we had no word of it and we went to Monday morning and we were told that we were no, no longer working for the company. So that kind of knocked my trust in the, the so-called securities of having a job. I then had a few end-to-end, uh, a few dead-end jobs, never really to any purpose or, purpose or passion, I just felt like I was floating through life and I wasn't happy, but I wasn't unhappy at the same time. And then I brought a house at the age of 24 with my then girlfriend and moved away about 30, 40 miles away. We moved into the house in the August to find two weeks later that she was in love with somebody else and I caught her in the house. So I kicked her out. And then over the next month, over the next eight months, there were some really key big events that have led to me creating the Millennium Motivation Podcast. So I suffered from depression and anxiety and out of control. Just I wasn't in control of my life after she'd left, after I kicked her out. But then um, my nan went up for a checkup, just a regular checkup on the 12th of December of 2017, only to then pass away 12 days later on Christmas Eve from cancer. I watched her take a final breath, uh, final breath around the bed the family were, and it was, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And just seeing how quickly life can change, each breath getting slower. And then three or four months later, I lost my auntie to cancer um, after a five-month battle. Then after the funeral, I thought I was in control of all my emotions. I was helping others. And I felt like I'm in control. The house is going up for sale. I was going through the sale process. There was a couple months left. And then I woke up one morning after the funeral and I just shut down. I was negative. I was just numb. I was angry. I had no confidence, no self-belief. I physically could not drag myself out of bed a desire for life and when I did drag myself out of bed I just sat in the living room 
And I remember the house. It was a brand new house. So we couldn't paint it. And there's these white walls. And they were just staring at me. And I felt like I was in a pit of all these emotions. I wasn't eating. I wasn't getting out of the house. I didn't leave the house in two weeks. The blinds were shut. I just cut myself off from the world. And then I read uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, which there's a, there's a bit in there where it talks about how you want to be remembered at your eulogy. And I remember writing down how I wanted to be remembered when I leave this earth. And it was nowhere near how I was feeling right then and how I was living my life. So that really just started my journey from going from having no confidence, no self-belief, being angry and no desire for life to then traveling the world six months later solo and then coming back and setting up the Millennium Motivational Podcast. So yeah, that's, that's really the story of the podcast. Wow. That is, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a very short period of time. Wow. All right, let's start the beginning. Yeah. There's a lot of things I want to ask you about here. So you said you lost confidence in the average blueprint for life. Yes. Describe a little bit more about what you mean by that. So I feel that as, as people are so accepted, so people are so accepting to just this pattern of life of that we, and I think it's from generations, first of all, like our parents, our grandparents, that you leave school, you then work for 40, 50 years to then retire. And it's like the retirement is the, the golden egg cup. It's the, it's the grand prize at mm-hmm. the end. When in reality, people spend 40, 50 years in a job that they hate, they complain, they moan, they want out, but they never take that step to to working on that dream and that desire that they have deep inside them. And I really, it's really to, after being made redundant twice before the age of 23, I lost, lost confidence in that security, the blanket of a job that people have. So I want to help millennials to wake up and realize that there is real no kind of security in a job because it can change so quick. Yeah, I love that. So I have to talk to people about that all the time when people are like, yeah, I want job security. I want benefits. I want blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here thinking that job can be gone tomorrow. They can literally shut down the company. They can get bought out and get merged and your position's gone away. What security are you talking about? It really is this ideal that has been sold and brainwashed so incredibly well in the culture that doesn't actually exist. Exactly, spot on. I couldn't agree with with you more. Then it's it's you, you go to school and they talk about getting a career, but they never actually teach you any core life skills. They never teach you about how to get a mortgage, how to live a life of of passion to follow your dream. It's all to get a job and work for that retirement. And what what what's your pension like? And and aspects like that. When we can do so much more as millennials and as human beings. Well, and just take it even a step further. You talk about retirement beyond the golden egg. Think about how ridiculous of a notion that is. Hey, I'm going to work until I'm 65, 67, which it's 67 in the United States now. And then I'm going to live another 10 years maybe. And that's what I've got to look forward to when I'm least healthy, when I have the least amount of energy, when I've got the most amount of, you know, potentially free time, that's when I'm going to enjoy life. Like, no, figure out a way to enjoy life today. The, the, the happiest people I know are the ones who never retire because they don't have to work and they enjoy what they do. They're not working for money. They're working because they enjoy it and they're working to a purpose and getting that self-fulfillment. And it's really interesting that you mentioned about kind of that mentality of working to retirement because um, I came back from when I came up from traveling. And my stepdad has worked all his life. He's built up his business and he's worked 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And he's never really in something that he enjoys. And when I came back from traveling, he's 59. Um, he, we thought, had suffered a, a breakdown. Only to find out he's now got dementia 
So his plan to retire mm. this year is never going to happen. And it just shows how you might not even get there. You just got to be grateful for today. Exactly. Exactly. No, I love that mindset. And I love that, you know, something that's never taught, like those life skills you described. So one of my favorite books is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And Robert Kiyosaki talks about in it the difference, the actual difference between an asset and a liability. And I would encourage everybody listening to this to read that book because it is life altering in the way it forces you to look at money and the way it forces you to look at your job and your future and your security, et cetera. It, we're never taught about how to acquire genuine assets in life. We're, we're, we're taught about or we're told about acquiring these fake assets, quote unquote, that are supposed to be assets, but they're not really. They don't actually do anything for us. So there's, there's, a, there's a mindset shift that has to happen. But I also want to ask you, so your company went under, you, you released the iPhone, you go home, and then you're just, what happened to the company? Why did it go under so suddenly? So I used to, for the phone company that I used to work for, we had a number of major uh, contracts in the UK. So we had companies like Vodafone, EE, who were really big players in the game here in England. And oh, across the world, I know some of them are as well. And they from from my understanding that they just pulled out we weren't we weren't giving them the service that they desired we were offering too much money i think as a business they were too much focused on giving giving so much to the customers but not actually retaining the money for the workers and for the people who were at the top and they were sep- they kind of separating the business it, it never really got clarified in all honesty um i don't know how to word that uh, because it's still going under under a dis- dispute with PwC and they're looking into it in terms of redundancies and, and aspects like that. So it's been, it's been a shadow cast over it. It's been very, been very hush and the real reason has never actually come out. I'll be honest with you. Interesting. So you said it took away your, yeah. well, you specifically said it took away the security of having a job from you. What, what was that moment like when you lose your job and somebody calls you and say, Hey, you just worked a full day. And it's like, Hey, your job doesn't exist. How much did that change the way you viewed the world? It was just how quick it can change. And I couldn't imagine, I remember sitting in bed thinking, imagine if I had a kid, imagine if I had a family, a house, a mortgage, which I was, I think it's come, just come to me that the house, the mortgage, I'm paying that, it doesn't rely on me, it relies on the job that I'm in. And if that job goes under, then I have to then give, people then will go find another job. But if I if I had a family, children, mortgage, cars to pay, and I just lost my job on a Sunday, how would you explain that to your family? Well, and as guys, often we view our self-worth as what our job is. I mean, think about it. One of the first questions we always ask each other when we meet each other is, what do you do? And it becomes such an integral part of our identity. And now you lose that identity all of a sudden. Whether you like it or not, whether society wants to shove it down our throat or not, that's how guys view themselves, period. So you lose your job. Your girl cheats on you. You kick her out. You go into depression, anxiety, etc. What on earth makes you want to start a podcast? What was the process like behind that? Well, at the time of, of kind of getting through that depression, that anxiety, I did, but the first thing on my mind was not to start a podcast. I, after the eulogy, it was how I wanted to be remembered. It was as someone who traveled the world and who experienced different cultures. So that was my main focus to go and travel. So I, I just booked the flight. When the, the, the deposit came back into the house, what was left, booked the flight to Australia. I traveled and then when I came back in when was it April this year I the, the, the first Saturday I went into the pub to for a friend's birthday and as I walked in I talked up with my friends and 
within the first 10 seconds, I didn't want to be there. I knew straight away that I was going to have the same conversation that I could have had seven, eight months ago. And I was like, wow. I was like, I'd, I'd experienced and seen so much when so much hadn't happened in their lives. It had nothing had changed. So then I'd had all these, all these experiences of seeing different cultures and different worlds. And I'd, I'd experienced and lived a dream of mine of traveling. And I was like, wow, that, that, that felt so amazing. I want other people to feel that. I want other people to have the confidence, the self-belief. The, the, the desire to go after more than just this average routine and this average life that people, the average blueprint. So I like to talk. I like to get to know people. I like to help people. And being an avid podcast list, listener and a lover of all podcasts and motivational podcasts as well, I decided just to launch. I thought, you know what? I just want to get this message out there. No matter how it sounds, I just want to help help millennials. So I started the podcast, I learned how to do it, and then next thing you know, here we are. And it's 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 good, it's building momentum, and I haven't looked back yet. So what's the blueprint of the podcast? What are you doing? Daily, weekly, interviews, just chatting? What's 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 the background there? Give me a little info. So yeah, so the the, the blueprint of the podcast is it, it's produced every single day, uh, released across all platforms, and it really kind of the message is narrowed down in regards to the challenges and the problems that we face as millennials and as people on a daily basis, and how our habits and our routines are what are keeping us where we are, or what are keeping us from not moving forward and for settling for the average lifestyle, and that could be in a mindset, that could be physical, because what we do on a daily basis is how we live our lives. And the podcast is trying to change that mindset and change the habits of routines to then be the foundations of our future success. And by just taking the small steps, the small changes and holding people accountable for the hardest, the hardest part of of a habit is the implementation, the start. And it's kind of guiding people through that start to give them the confidence, build that self-belief to follow the dreams. So what are some of these habits and, and routines that you talk about? So they range from habits and routines that have really worked for myself and I analyze successful people's habits as well. So this can be from as simple as waking up earlier, but actually waking up with a purpose. So waking up and achieving more than your work colleagues, your friends, your family before they even woke up and rolled over and snoozed the alarm. So it can range from exercise, meditation, uh, practicing gratitude, acceptance of where you are. And it also physical habits as well. So one that I really I really work on is social media, mobile phone usage. And it can be as simple as when you are walking, let's say into the office, or just when you're walking at all, not to have your phone out in your hand, looking down, picking your head up, looking at the world around you, taking in what is going on. And you can see and you can learn so much by just lifting your head up. But also another one is when you're eating, is actually if you leave your phone you see it so many times when you may go up for tea, also when you go up for dinner, when you go up for food, people put the phones on the table and the phone is always causing your eyes to gaze across. You may flip it over just to see if you've got a text. When really eating out, I see, is a, a time that should be, is, a, is, a, is an event that should be valued. So you enjoy your food, you talk, you converse with the person in front of you, you have a meaningful conversation and you build relationships instead of always subconsciously thinking about the phone that's on the table. So what's the feedback been from folks who have listened to the podcast? Well, it's really, I think one of the big things is they, they think, people think of success habits and they think of all these complicated and difficult habits that 
they are they are incapable of doing when in reality it's just small subtle changes and it's being the fact that people have come on and expecting when i was speaking to these people who have been thinking they've got to make drastic changes in their life when really it's small little steps that we start and we build upon moving forward slowly building the foundations and like i didn't realize it could be this easy and subtle So anything in particular that really surprised you when you were pulling yourself out of the depths of that depression, anxiety, et cetera? What, what, so what did you specifically do to dig yourself out of that? So one really big thing that worked for me is I think when, when people are in this, these emotions are running around inside the brain and it feels like everything's locked in, it's just to get it out and to write it down on paper and just to write down everything that you think of. I remember sitting in my living room and I physically struggled it took me hours to pick up the pen and write but as I started writing I hated it I was like oh this is not going to work this is not going to work but as I started to write things down I felt like I had so many problems inside my mind but in reality when I started to write everything down and I think I've made like three or four A4 pages I then got a highlighter and went through and highlighted what the actual problem was and what I highlighted I bullet pointed down when I actually started to bullet point these problems down, I found out that it was only really two or three problems, which were really the root problems. And then everything else was spiraling off from that. And just by writing it down, it got it out of my mind and I could visually see what was keeping me, what habits were keeping me where I was and in that mindset. Interesting. So what was it? So it was just the me constantly running through my mind. So I used to... With my ex-girlfriend, there were certain scenarios that happened when I felt that I could have reacted better, when I could have done something to get one over on my ex-girlfriend or on her family after they were, I won't go into too much detail, from these circumstances. And in my mind, I kept replaying these scenarios, these events, and thinking differently how I could react. And I was, it was almost as if I was trying to get one over in my mind by thinking of different scenarios. But that event, that was just dragging me down further and further and spiraling down by thinking over what had happened to me. It was making me more depressed and more sad and more angry. So I just cut that off. I thought every time I started to think of these previous scenarios, I used to pinch myself just to remind me, don't think of these, think of something else. And it took some practice. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, immediately it worked because I did catch myself thinking of scenarios and how I would have reacted differently to get one over and to upset them because they'd upset me. It's more out of anger. But over time, like now, when I think of these scenarios, I rarely think of them now. I'm like, James, it's a poor thought. This is going to keep, this is a poor thought habit. That's going to keep you poor. Stop it. And then I move on. Ooh, ooh, can we stop right there? I want to, I want to really, really riff on this. So you were, thinking through scenarios in your head over and over again of things that you could not control or change since they were in the past, right? Correct. Yeah. The the influence, I couldn't influence them. Correct. So, and that was dragging you down Yeah. and taking you into a spiral of depression. And what you did is you talked to yourself and said, this is a poor thought and that's going to keep you poor. Yeah. Spot on this, this, this thought is going to keep me where I am or it's going to keep me from, keep me spiraling down into more anger and more depression. How powerful was it to talk to yourself and to acknowledge that, hey, this thought is not beneficial to my life? It's amazing when you take a third-person stance upon yourself. It's like you're looking at yourself in the corner of the room. Like you are like another person inside game. Listen, 
these are thoughts these are thoughts that you don't need to think anymore so stop and you, once you actually realize that you have control over your own thoughts it might not it didn't feel like that at the time when i was thinking of all these thoughts it felt like i wanted to think of these thoughts and these were just coming into my mind because i was angry i was depressed i deserve to feel like this so i should be thinking about this but as soon as i stopped and thought you know what i don't have to think about this it was so powerful to be like whoa i actually have control over what i think and that change was life changing for me so what was that aha moment so yeah so the, that the the aha moment came from me putting this into practice because I in that negative mindset that I was in I felt like nothing would work nothing could get me out of this but the first time I tried it and I started to think and I started I could feel myself building up the anger inside of me and I was like no James stop I was like just stop thinking and then all of a sudden I just felt like this anger just slowly lower inside of me as if to say oh we're not going to bubble up this time we're not going to get angry we're not going to get annoyed and I was like oh I've actually just controlled it and realized I'm getting angry I'm getting annoyed so by actually just realizing that and what I'm thinking I used to think was getting me more happiness it was actually just making me more angry and more annoyed but by recognizing that I was like oh my wow this is actually calming me down and as I practiced I started to catch it earlier and yeah that was the aha moment that I was controlling my thoughts so how, do, how have you put that into practice within the podcast how are you conveying this message on a daily basis to folks listening so I think it comes from an example would be at work. We have like a boss or a manager or somebody at work who upsets us, who gets us annoyed. And we sit there and we, we run through it in our mind. We play it over and over again. We, we It just boils over and it, it leaves us in. When we go home, that people ask us a question is, oh, how was your day today? And we can answer, oh, it was, it was rubbish or it was terrible or I had a bad day. When in reality, what's happened is, it could be in the morning that somebody has said something or done something. It could be your manager or your boss or a work colleague, which is then, it could be over 10, 20 seconds. But then what's happened is it's then 10, 20 seconds. We've then let that kind of ruminate in our thoughts. And then we've thought about it for the next two, three hours, which has dragged us further and further down, spiraling down into anger, frustration. And at the end of the day, that is the reflection of the day when it's such a small percentage of our day that's caused us to have a good, uh, have a bad day. And it's talking to people on the podcast to say, listen, you are in control of what you think. Yes, that's happened. It's how you react to what has happened that, that, um, that identifies how you feel. So if you, if you see it as bad, that's fine. If, if you think, think it's a bad, act, a bad event that's happened to you, that's fine. But you, there's no need to then to rest on that throughout the rest of the day it's happened move it to one side so how would you how would you then respond to for example something such as you mentioned earlier that you watched your grandmother take her last breath which is a very traumatic event yeah that's very different than thinking about an argument you have with your ex-girlfriend and not getting angry or upset about that yeah how would you what would you say to somebody who's going through a traumatic event that that is current and that they truly have no control over. You you don't have control over your grandma dying from from cancer. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And it, it comes down to that influence, that that kind of circle of influence. Can you influence that? And once you, what worked for me is once I accepted that this was happening. This is life right now. This is what is happening in my life right now. There's nothing I can change. I've just got to accept it. I immersed myself in helping other people, so I recognised that that had helped. That that what was going on. 
And then I saw my, I remember, I remember looking down at my nan. I could see my mum to the right of me. I could see my granddad in the chair. I could see my uncle, my auntie looking down at my nan. And I thought to get this out, I've got to start talking to these people. And to, to, to what, what I would say is the best way to cure and to, to deal with these circumstances is to speak to the people as, as well who are being affected by it. Accept what has happened. Be grateful for being, for, for my nan was, 78 79 be grateful for the person being alive for this amount of time because there's people out there that are unfortunately passing away so much younger and through illnesses and diseases and i'm grateful for knowing my nan for 24 years 25 years and having my nan on this planet so i would say just be grateful for having them in your life be grateful for the experiences, for the happiness, and just respect that this is life, this is what happens, and it's another challenge, it's another event that's going to be thrown in our way. And if if we go through life with the naivety that there's never going to be any challenges, there's never going to be any, any difficulties, never going to be any problems, then when these do occur, we'll be shocked by them. But if you just accept that this is part of life and this is what happens, then it helps us to deal with it a lot better because because it is just the way of life. And as, as, that, as the explanation that sound, that's really worked for me, just being grateful for having my nan on the planet, knowing my nan, and grateful that she's now out of pain and she's not dealing with this. So do you, do you feel like millennials in general may struggle with that concept, um, the idea of life is suffering and be grateful for the life that you have because there can be greater suffering than your own? I mean, a, a lot of it, you know, within the way we've come up in the world. And quite frankly, you and I are a lot more similar, even though we grew up in two different parts of the world, than our parents' generation or grandparents' generation would have been just because we we did grow up in this connected world. But there's a lot of focus on happiness, on yeah. also the perception of happiness and the presentation of happiness and all this other nonsense. Do, do, you, do you find that it's harder for millennials to accept it? Like, hey, bad stuff happens. It's part of life. Bad stuff happens just as good stuff happens as well. And as, as we know, people tend to focus on the bad stuff. We're, we're programmed to focus on the bad stuff. But good stuff happens in our lives as well. But I think as millennials and as a generation, we have so much more external pressures, society pressures like social media and this image that we need to, that we think that we need to live up to, that that can contribute and that can come on top of these everyday challenges that we face. And there's a great quote that I really, I really appreciate by Richard Branson that said that to make happiness a habit and not a goal because happiness is a habit. And if your goal was to be happy, you need to, you need to find habits that make you happy. And that is reducing this external influences that we have of social media and looking up to, and being a generation that looks up to these, these images that we see online. So what book, I mean, what books you mentioned, the seven, habits of highly effective people, but what other books and what other influences, authors, speakers, et cetera, uh, really helped you get out of uh, de- that depth? Because, I mean, you sound like a smart guy, but you probably had some help along the way. It's not like you just thought of every single thing that you you teach and, and preach on your podcast. You probably just condense information that, that you read that you think is applicable, et cetera. So who are some of the biggest influences on you? So, yeah. So first of all, I, so one bit, one book that really helped me that is like my Bible is The Magic of Thinking Big by David J. Swartz. I don't know if you've read the book or heard of the book. I have not actually. It's an incredible book. It's changed my outlook on how 
And it's not all about thinking big. It's all about kind of how you as a person can change your thoughts and your mindset. And that book is a book that I read two or three times a year. And I would recommend your listeners to have a read if they're looking to expand that mindset, expand their thoughts and just look. Because the great thing about this book is they have habits that you can input on a day on a day-to-day basis. And it doesn't just, I think some motivational books, they can talk to you, but they never give you any action points. Yeah, so, yeah, just just do it. <laughs> oh, and yeah, this, this, like they talk of, this is where we are, this this is how amazing it is, but they don't actually give you the action plan and the habits and the routines that you can do. Because I, I always struggled where I'd read these books and I'd be like, oh, that's amazing, that's amazing. But how do I get there? Like I want this, this is the kind of business I want to be, but how do I get there? And this book, it talks through how to do that, what to do. And and it really gives you like a detailed guide. And so I would definitely recommend reading that book. Uh, we, I know you've touched on it, a book as well, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, 100% yep. that book. I'm also reading at the moment in time, Mindset by Carol S. Dweck, I think his surname is. And what other books is there? Ah, one book that really stood out, stood out for me was uh, The One Thing. Ooh, love that book. Incredible book, incredible book. And I know a lot of thought leaders and a lot of people who are in business really concentrate on that book because it is such a good book. Yeah, the the only two books that I keep, I have like a very minuscule library at the office outside of scriptural or, or prayer-based things that I keep in their own spot. I've got a little mini library, but it only has two books in my office. And it's the one thing and then Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I'm a, I'm a big advocate of both of those reads. Yeah, and the, the great books as well because it, the books that you can reread and you'll find you'll get additional content than when the first time you read it or the last time that you read it and you can link back to that book, the books for advice, for help in certain, in certain circumstances. Yeah. Well, I know um, I like that. I'm, uh, I've never actually thought about asking people on the podcast what books they're reading, so that might be a new segment to start doing. Yeah, I, I definitely would because I think I, I'm very surprised by, by the, the the people that haven't read the magic of thinking big. Um, but yeah. at the end of the day, when a book resonates with you so much, you automatically think, "Oh, well, this book's it's affecting my life," and you want to pass on that information and to help other people. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, and I know we're running up on time here yeah. from a recording standpoint, but one question I always like to ask people as we're coming to an end is. You know, if you could go back to 18-year-old you, so you go back to 18-year-old James and you say, hey, James, I get it. You're all wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. But knowing all that you know about yourself and knowing all that you know now, what's one piece of advice you'd give yourself at 18? One big advice I would give when I was 18 is to concentrate more on my morning routine because when you start your morning routine, if you wake up in the morning and you are rushing into work, you're late, you're pressing snooze on the alarm five or six times, you get into work, you feel flustered, you don't know where your head's at. How do you expect the rest of your day going? And that's what I used to do. I used to wake up at the last minute to try and get the additional two or three minutes in of sleep, get to work and just be like, oh, and then the rest of my day, I'd feel flustered. I'd feel like I hadn't woke up yet. But by waking mm-hmm. up, I'd, so I'd set and wake up a little bit earlier. So now I wake up two and a half hours before I had to start work because then I can achieve so much more than the rest, the majority of the world and people that I work with do before I can do so much and achieve so much before most people have woke up. I would concentrate on my morning routine. I would value the morning because I used to see the morning as just a wasted bit of time, but I would value the morning so much more and to see what I could achieve in that morning. 
Interesting. You saw the morning as a wasted piece of time. Yeah. I saw the morning as just a little bit before work where you could have your breakfast. Where if you, if you put aside an hour, an hour and a half, every single day for five days, let's say before you go work, what's well, that five, six hours that you can work on your dream and your passion, which you didn't have. And it's all about finding that additional time that you think that you don't have when we do have so much time. Well, and you got to have a war plan when you wake up. I mean, how are you going to conquer the day? If, imagine if you went into war and a battle and you had no plan, plan of action. Yeah. It's like, it's like starting your car in the morning. If you started your car in the morning with the wrong fuel, with not, not turning the ignition correct or anything like that, or if it was, the, it, your car's not going to get to the end goal. But if you start the morning putting the right fuel in and, and on your way, that was probably a bad analogy that was actually. I probably edit that one out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll keep that in just because it was so funny. <laughs> um, but no, if if you start your day on the front foot with confidence and having achieved something, if you if you achieve something in your morning, then it sets a mindset because you'll then look to what else you can achieve throughout the rest of the day. But if you don't if you don't wake up with that mindset in terms of achieving something or just working towards that purpose or just spending time for you, then you, what do you, how do you expect your day to be to pan out? Exactly, exactly. Well, James, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to connect. And obviously, I'll have all your social media and podcast information in the show notes. But again, I'm, I look forward to hopefully there being some cross pollination between listeners on on both podcasts because I think it's a very admirable mission that you have for millennial motivation. I, I love the concept. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. For everybody listening, uh, again, the podcast is Millennial Motivation. I'm assuming it's everywhere where you can get podcasts pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much everywhere that you can get podcasts. Is iTunes your number one? iTunes is the number one. We're on Spotify, CastBox, to name a few. Awesome, awesome. So check that out. You can obviously check it out in the show notes. I'll link it in there. But outside of that, everybody listening, Millennial Manhood, CIP at gmail.com, or you can go to millennialmanhood.net. Check out the website there. If you've got um, ideas, people you want us to interview, constructive criticism, again, constructive. Don't just complain. you got to offer a solution. But outside of that, we'll talk to you guys soon. 